it's probably like maybe nine months ago, 10 months ago, Walgreens is like, hey, would you like to keep this card on file? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another episode of FI Today, the podcast where we talk about all things banks, credit unions, payments, and more. Again, Kevin Miyamoto, co-founder, COO of Identify, also known as Moto. Hello, Moto. And we have a great episode lined up for you today. Um, Ryan Edwards is on the show. He's currently head of business development at Banking Circle US uh, and is one of the true experts in embedded payments. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kevin. It's uh, exciting to be one of the early uh, attendees for your uh, podcast. So I'm That's right. excited Woo. to be here. That's I know, right. right? That's right. <laughs> so, so, Ryan, before we jump into embedded payments, let's just uh, give the listeners a quick uh, backstory of who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Uh, so I've been in payments and technology now for almost 18 years. Um, actually, in about a week, it's going to be 18 years. July 5th is my my anniversary date. Um, I started uh, with technology companies early on in my career, selling to uh, restaurants in the point, point of sale uh, area, and then moving into uh, merchant acquiring, and then working specifically with payment facilitators. Um, and now at Banking Circle, I work with uh, banks, um, FIs essentially for credit unions, banks um, do the payment side for uh, a lot of uh, payments companies. Uh, for the money movement, and then also marketplaces. Great. And t talk to me a little bit more about Banking Circle US. Um, who, who are they? What, what do they do? Yeah, Banking Circle. Uh, so it was founded about 10 years ago um, in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, very well established in Europe. Uh, we're essentially a payments bank. So we do money movement for, again, uh, payments companies, marketplaces, and then uh, FIs. Uh, we do primarily cross-border and FX, um, and a lot of the reporting functionality for um, our customers, uh, single source API, uh, very simple to do business with. We've expanded into the United States and currently in the process of getting our banking license um, here so we can essentially do the same thing here in the United States, which I think is really exciting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess... You know, th this is a good segue into today's topic of embedded payments because you've been involved in embedded payments for, I think, over a decade at this point, right? You've, you've been doing it for a very long time. You're making me sound old, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Not old, just seasoned. Seasoned, right? I, I like I like that. I'm seasoned. I like that. Yeah, better. seasoned. You're, well, yeah. <laughs> like so, like guess, a good you know, bourbon. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Like a, like, a, like a good or a fine wine. There we yeah. go. Um, you know, so I guess you, you've seen it all, you know, right? You, you supported... Um, you know, you worked at an FI. We both worked there together. You supported um, large ISOs. You went to another FI, worked on more of the embedded payments, and now, you know, head of BD at, at Banking Circle. You, you've seen a lot in your time. So I guess, you know, in your opinion, what's going on in the market today? Do you think embedded payments will continue to see large traction moving forward? What are some of the challenges? We'd just love to pick your brain on all that. Yeah, I, I definitely... I definitely think this is the the path forward for technology companies uh, to embed, whether it's just merchant acquiring or you know taking it further down the path to do you know something like payroll or you know embedded finance where they're actually doing some type of lending services. Um, when I first started working with these technology companies, it was probably about I'd say almost a decade ago. Um, I was seeing a, a consistent theme where 
the technology company wasn't able to control their customer experience. And when you lose that control, you can essentially lose your clients. And that's where you'd see a lot of technology companies be in a, like a referral relationship or some other type of relationship where they essentially say, hey, I've got a guy, go talk to XYZ company and they'll, they'll take care of you. Unfortunately, in that experience, that technology company completely loses that control. When you know, fast forward now, um, and really I'd say you know, five, seven years ago, I really start, started seeing a lot of traction in the payment facilitator side, um, or you know, a lot of uh, FIs would call it uh, service providers, where they've uh, essentially enabled that full control to those technology companies um, to embed that payment into their offering, control the entire customer experience. Um, it's definitely where uh, I see the future going and, and continuing momentum compared to, and, and I don't want to downplay like traditional ISOs or anything in the market, but these ISOs are essentially reselling other uh, payment companies' products. Um, there's no real value when they, they sell, you know, a lot of times on price um, or customer service. Like they, they can definitely offer a lot of customer service. But when you have companies that have fully embedded these payments into their product, you know, it adds a lot of value. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll use an example of a uh, prominent uh, restaurant point of sale system in the market right now, where they literally charge about 100 basis points more, 120 basis points more in some cases than what I charged the restaurant 18 years ago when I first started in the market. The restaurant tour is paying that extra um, fee essentially because they're buying based on the value of the software that's running their business and not, you know, merchant as a commodity from that embedded payment side. So it's really exciting to see that shift. Um, I love helping technology companies uh, charge more for merchant services just because, you know, when I sold it 18 years ago, it was so price driven, you know, mm -hmm. what's your rate? Um, and now it's, it's completely shifted where these technology companies are, are providing that embedded payments uh, to where they're able to charge more because it's, it's shifted to that, you know, value of the software and not merchant as a commodity. Yeah. And let, let's unpeel that a little bit more because I think there's a lot of confusion out there. And so, you know, I think when we talk about the value of that software provider, um, can you give an example to the listeners of, of what that looks like and what you're talking about? Yeah. Again, let's just stick with the, the restaurant point of sale example. So a restaurant tour, when they're buying that software, they're, they're going to look for a solution that provides as much value to them as possible. What I mean by that is, um, what does that software do for them? Where does it uh, eliminate either you know, labor costs or just time that they are uh, you know, th using throughout the day? Typically, you'll have a, a point of sale system in the restaurant environment. You know, the basic necessities is, is ordering for servers. So servers and bartenders, where you know, the server can take an order at the table. Um, they walk, typically walk over to a point of sale device. They enter it in. It sends the orders to the kitchen and the bar. Um, very simple. But mm -hmm. when you take it a little few steps further, where the software is really adding a lot of value, um, I'm sure you've seen the the table side uh, ordering devices where the server is actually ho holding a, a little uh, handheld mm -hmm. ordering right there. That's eliminating the steps 
uh, from the table to that other point of sale device. And it's allowing that server to be much more efficient. And if you actually did a step uh, track for a server throughout the entire shift um, and eliminated those steps between the table and the point of sale device, it's going to be significant. Uh, you know, you're looking probably 10,000 steps of efficiency. That I was, I was a lot thinner when I was a server actually, because I would walk. Oh, I would eat a lot too, but I would I would walk a lot throughout the night and would it's burn crazy. But again, just having a technology device that that handheld, making that that server more efficient. So what does that mean? So you've got that server now, instead of being able to take three tables, they can take five tables because they're more efficient. So what does that do on the restaurant side? It eliminates uh, labor cost. So you can have less servers on the floor at a time. Um, it increases customer satisfaction because that server is be able to be out in front of that, uh, their tables uh, more frequently than if they were trying to walk more um, from an old school standpoint. Um, so it's really that, again, that technology side is able to help these restaurateurs increase customer satisfaction, uh, increase efficiency. Um, but also there's there's areas where these technology companies, again, uh, looking at a, a prominent restaurant point of sale system in the market, um, look at the back of house. So how are the efficiencies there? You look at uh, ordering. So instead of having a paper ticket, they can now have a screen that will outline everything very clearly. They can even color code, you know, put in red, no tomatoes. Um, but even cooler, like when you take some of these technology companies that have embedded, you know, more of the, the financial side, look at payroll. So um, when you have a, a cook, as an example, where, where they work, you know, seven days a week and they don't get paid for two weeks, that cook needs money on Saturday. Servers get money from tips. Um, so there's point of sale providers out there will do what's considered early wage access. And what they do is since they're controlling the, the timekeeping and payroll, they're able to provide that cook on a Saturday night, what's considered early wage access. And this can be done by uh, typically push a card. So it's, it's essentially a reverse credit transaction to a debit card. In real time, seven days a week, 365 days a year, um, that cook can request any any hours worked up until that point in time, then those funds get pushed to his debit card or their debit card um, in real time, essentially, and they're able to be paid uh, on Saturday nights for work that they've already completed. So that creates, uh, from the, the restaurant tour standpoint, an environment for uh, employees' happiness. They know that, hey, I can work on Saturday and I can get paid Saturday if I want to. And, and that's that a, will be a competitive advantage also. 100%. When you say, hey, like work at my restaurant, I'll pay you after each shift as opposed to waiting two weeks. 100%. And especially in today's market, I, I go to restaurants all the time and it's, it's amazing to see a, like my wife and I's favorite Mexican restaurants, like five minutes from my house. And it's a it's a probably a higher end Mexican restaurant. What's your, what's your uh, go to dish, Ryan? Oh, dude, uh, tacos or <laughs> street yeah. tacos. Right. 100%. Keep keep going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but we go there and they're short staffed all the time. And I'd say our average bill is a hundred bucks. So you tip twenty five percent. That's a twenty five dollar table for that server. 
and they can't get employees. So to your point, like being a competitive advantage, like this, this restaurant, um, being able to offer different incentives, like the cook being able to be paid on a Saturday night, they're going to attract more people than, or more employees than other restaurants. So it's definitely sure. an area where, you know, it's, it's, it is really nice. The other thing I've seen um, from an embedded finance uh, side, again, going back to the same restaurant point of, point of sale uh, company that will not be named. Yeah. <laughs> they, they offer financing options. And what I mean by financing options, uh, since they've embedded payments, they know uh, very consistent data on that restaurant. They know that it's, it's going to process on average $100,000 a month, $500,000 a month, whatever it might be. So in that environment, they're more comfortable to say, hey, Mr. Restaurant Tour, I'll lend you or provide uh, uh, an advance on your receivables of $100,000 because I know over the course of the next four months, you can pay me back at a, you know, a 10% rate of your credit card sales on a daily basis and you'll pay me back within four to six months. The restaurant tour, one, that's simple, very, very easy. Two, it provides that restaurant tour capital that they might need for a cooler or something that's unforeseen in a, um, you know, in a lot of cases, a paycheck to paycheck environment for yeah. restaurant tours. Well, so it's, also, a, it's like, a lot of value. So that's again, back to the embedded payment side. A lot of these companies are, are really taking it multiple steps um, in embedding these, these financial solutions to offer their customers. Well, and you hit it on the head. I mean, just that last example you said where, you know, a restaurant here might get financing options from their um, from their technology provider, right? If you think about the process to just get that line of credit or the asset or receivables based uh, facility, that probably there because they have the data, they're already using the technology on a day to day basis. I'm assuming that that application and approval process is light years better than what a traditional FI, which would take financials or audited financials and statements, it would just, it's the experience is just, it's a no brainer for that restaurant to then go with the finance or the, the technology provider at that point. It It is going to be way more simple than a traditional financial institution. And not, I'm not downplaying FIs at all. They play a critical role. I've worked for multiple FIs, but the technology side, they, again, going to the, the convenience and the customer service aspect when these technology companies have embedded um, their financial solutions into their their offering, you know, theoretically they could uh, pay out in in minutes uh, yeah. of of an approval. Um, I think I think about you know in terms of embedded finance, I think about Uber, right? Uber is a or Lyft. They're a, a ride share company, transportation company, right? And so you know, without let's say embedded payments within Uber. I would get a ride on Uber, and then when it comes for me to pay my driver, I would have to take out a different app, like a Venmo or a Cash App or something, and then send that driver a payment. It's not as secure. Uh, it's just there's a whole lot of challenges. Versus with Uber, I can just make that payment right in the app, right? If I want to tip extra, I could tip extra. And then the cherry on top is if I'm that driver and if I want that my my earnings from that night, that night, I can actually pay a little bit more and get my my money within a few seconds. I mean, it's, it's the simplicity and that that's the thing. I use Amazon as an example a lot of times where, um, 
Amazon has, has consistently increased their prime annual fee. And it's not like it's a, a small amount. I think typically like let's call it 20 percent ish. And I will never, <laughs> no way from Amazon listens to this, but there's so much value behind Amazon because I can, from my phone, I can go on here and search anything that I need. Very likely that they'll have it and order it without me going and trying to find it at a, at a retail shop. Um, so there's a lot of convenience there that I'm able to get it quickly here in Phoenix. I'm able to get it typically, you know, a lot of times within hours, um, oh, yeah. with, within, you know, two days max. Um, so I'm willing to pay for that convenience. And it's the same way with a lot of, uh, you know, our, our technology company clients, they're willing to pay for that convenience. I mentioned earlier the, the restaurant point of sale company charging a hundred to 120 basis points more than what I charged restaurant tours, you know, 18 years ago, there's value behind that, that, mm -hmm. that consumers are willing to pay for. Um, so it's definitely, you know, exciting from a consumer standpoint also, because it's, it's providing us as a cardholder, uh, uh, a lot of value in, you know, our day-to-day -day market, something as silly as, uh, picking up a prescription. So pick up prescriptions at Walgreens, go through the drive-through every time. Uh, it's probably like maybe nine months ago, 10 months ago. Walgreens is like, Hey, would you like to keep this card on file? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so every time now, instead of me actually giving the, the drive-through attendant, my card that they then pull through the window, go through the whole process, the attendant asks, would you like to use the card on file? And convenience for me, two speeds of the line for Walgreens, win-win both sides. Like there's yep. no downside to that at all, but yep. that's the technology coming behind Walgreens, like what they're using. They have embedded that payment solution into their prescription management software, which has provided me as a consumer, a cardholder, a lot of value and provided Walgreens, you know, an efficiency standpoint where they're able to get, call it five more cars through the line an hour, whatever, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know the data, but it's a, it's a lot that they'd be able to get more cars in and provide a better customer experience. So, well, and and I know you've been a part of these some of these deals where you'll work with a corporate customer who's looking to embed payments, or maybe they've embedded payments a couple of years ago, and slowly but surely the revenue from embedded payments just keeps growing and growing and growing. Where embedded payments, that the payments part of their business, is now bigger than the actual technology that they're providing their customers because it's just such a big, you know, revenue driver. If you're talking 100 to 200 basis points per transaction, everything running through your technology, it could lead to just huge revenue numbers. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point because these technology companies they onboard so many customers, and you know, you're not typically talking millions of dollars in volume. You're talking billions of dollars in volume, mm -hmm. and it's definitely an, an area where you'll see. Uh, a lot of technology companies, their business model is just to charge for payments. They don't charge for the software. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a mix mix. So you, you see a lot that still will charge, you know, a SaaS fee. Um, if they sell hardware, they'll sell, sell hardware um, on a subscription basis, or they'll actually charge for the software or the hardware up front. So there's a lot of different models. I did recently see, and I, this is kind of controversial. I, I don't know that I agree with it. Uh, restaurant point of sale software company, won't name the name, um, 
which I've been a huge fan of, to be clear, like a huge fan, just because I've, I've been so close to the, the hospitality environment for so long. Um, it's where I really started my career. Uh, this company is going to start charging uh, next in July um, a 99 cent fee for online orders above $10. And to be clear, this software company, their customers are the restaurants. That 99 cent fee is being charged to the cardholder. So mm. they're skipping over their customer to essentially gain revenue. So a couple things on that. Like one, if I was the restaurateur using their software, immediately I have lost trust in this this point of sale provider. Because they can do it again. There's no stopping them either. They can't do anything. Because that yeah. again, back to my original point, like these restaurant tours or really any business is buying the software that's ideal for their their business to, to make them the most efficient, uh, run the best as, as they can. And when you look at these software providers, when they're skipping over their customers and going direct to the cardholder and charging fees, it's it's losing trust with, with mm. their customers, but it's also creating conf, uh, conflict between the restaurateur in this case and the cardholder because the cardholder, this is again for online ordering. So what does online ordering do for the restaurant in this example? It makes the business more efficient because I'm going, I as a cardholder go online to, to place my order compared to me calling in to the restaurant, talking to someone on the, on the phone for call it three to five minutes and placing an order. So I'm essentially paying 99 cents to help the restaurant tour be more efficient. So I'm going to be upset as a cardholder, 99 cents, $5, whatever it is, um, because I'm essentially paying for the restaurant tour to be more efficient. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. you look at it though, like the restaurant tour can't opt out. They are essentially not being paid this fee but their customers think they are. So that perception, you could lose, these restaurateurs could lose clients because of this 99 cent fee. Because yeah, it, starts can... at, it starts at $10. So when you do a percentage, that's a 10% surcharge. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I definitely the restaurants could lose customers potentially. I mean, even to something as my wife goes online shopping on her phone, if that website doesn't take Apple Pay, she's like, screw this. I'm not going to this site. I'll just go back to Amazon or whatever else, you know? Yeah, I, we were talking earlier. I, I, I've been an American Express cardholder since 2002. Um, and it, it's not as much now as it was, you know, call it 10 years ago, where you'd go into business and they wouldn't expect, accept American Express. And and these businesses didn't, didn't accept American Express because you know, my American Express card would, would essentially charge that, that merchant an extra 50 basis points. Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of cases, there were Visa and MasterCards that were just as expensive as, as my American Express card. But as a cardholder, like I should be able to use the, the payment method that I choose to pay. Mm -hmm. Perfect example, your, your Apple Pay. Um, and I had walked out of businesses because like, if you don't think my, 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 my business is worth 50 basis points, well, you're going to lose my business completely. Yeah. That 99 cent fee, I can see a lot of cardholders saying, yeah, I go to the restaurant down the street. Here in Phoenix, I live in Gilbert. Um, 
there are so many restaurants. If you have a bad experience, you just don't go back because there's so mm-hmm. many options. I can see a lot of people with the 99 cent fee. They're like, yeah, we just won't order there anymore. Yeah. 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 And I guess, you know, Ryan, as, as we're wrapping up this podcast today, you know, embedded payments, there's just so many benefits for organizations to start applying and embedding payments into their applications. What are some things that organizations should consider when thinking about monetizing payments and, and adding payments into their ecosystem? Yeah, there, there's a couple things. I think the the first thing to think about, like, is it right for you? Like, embedding payments is not right for everyone. <laughs> uh, depending on the life cycle of where you're at, uh, I've worked with a lot of companies where they see the success of, you know, on the name Stripe or Square, and these companies have been ultra successful in embedding that payment distributing the the product to market but it was not easy like there are so many moving parts to actually embedding payments that it's not right for everyone and there's solutions for these type of companies like there are there are ways to uh embed a product to where you as the technology company don't have to take on a lot of the responsibility but you're able to provide some of the customer experience not mm-hmm. all, but mm-hmm. in that instance, you just want to find a good partner to help there. Uh, part, I think that's with the acquiring and the settlement side too. So it's both it, sides. Exactly. Yeah. It's there's there's the the acquiring side, um, and then the money movement, whether it's settlement or or just you know in our case FX or cross border payments. Um, there's a lot of different options out there. So that's that's one area. Just ensuring that hey, is this right for you? And what stage you're at? Um, but the second thing I think would be when you look at different partners, you want to look at a partner that's going to be one that will be able to scale with you. Because these technology companies grow so quickly. Um, I've literally seen companies grow at 150, 200% year over year, which is a lot. You know, you look at a typical merchant where they're growing 10%, 15%, and you have a technology company growing at 200%. So you want to make sure that you choose that that partner that's going to be a good long-term uh, option for you and not something that you've outgrown in a year and you've got to completely go back and do redevelopment. Uh, you know, a lot of the technical resources, it's not something that you want to, you know, do multiple times. So choosing that long-term partner um, that you want to grow and also is going to be easy to do business with. That's that. That is the third. Is that you know you as the technology company are providing that simplicity to your customers. You want to get the same thing from your your providers. Where you know something like Banking Circle, whether providing real time uh, reporting or a single API for connectivity. I mean, these are areas where you want to make sure that that partner is going to be simple to do business with and not a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And and if anyone wants to get a hold of you and learn more, Ryan, where can they reach you? I uh, just look me up on LinkedIn, uh, or you can uh, email me at ryan.edwards at bankingcircleus.com. Awesome. Well, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for joining the show this morning. Really appreciate it. And for those listening out there, we'll see you on the next one.